Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about the ministerial exception doctrine and in, in common language, how that applies to ministers and churches, how it could be affecting ministers and churches and the autonomy rights of churches in the future. Uh, we're talking these a, along with a number of other cases, but first I'd like to welcome to our program here constitutional law attorney Michael Peffer. Welcome to the show, show Michael. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be here. And and I, I understand that you were in Texas uh, appearing before the Texas legislature. What's that about? Yes, yes. I, you know, I love those opportunities to go back to Texas. I went to Texas A&M undergrad, worked for Ross Pro for a year, worked for uh, Texas Senator Phil Graham for a year, and then law school in the University of Texas in Austin. So I have a lot of happy memories. I love to go back uh, to Texas. Uh, but I was especially happy about this visit because I was being brought in to testify on legislation. And usually when I'm brought in to testify on legislation, like in California and or places like that, it's because it's bad legislation, and I'm testifying against it and saying this is why it's unconstitutional, this is why it's bad. Well, I had this breath of fresh air coming out of Texas because the legislation, all the, the bills, I testified on three different bills, and all three of them were great bills, and they were moving forward. Yeah. And the legislators on the, in the state senate on the education committee overwhelmingly outnumbered the, the, the good ones outnumber the bad ones. You know, yeah. Those that believed, mm -hmm. I, like we do, about religious freedom and our Constitution, they well outnumbered, probably three to one. Nice. Those uh, on the other side, uh, the, the left. So it was very encouraging, and you're probably wondering what I testified on. Uh, I testified specifically, the one I'll talk about publicly, is dealing with the Ten Commandments. So... Uh, they have a, a bill, and it would bring and require the Ten Commandments to be posted in every public school classroom in the state of Texas. Wow. And the way it's laid out, uh, it would pass constitutional scrutiny because it has a secular you know, purpose, if you will, even though we're not using the lemon test anymore. Yeah. Uh, it would still survive because uh, it's, it's there for showing uh, the American heritage about American law. Uh, it also would have the... Declaration of Independence next to it, the Constitution next to it. So it sort of gives a, a foundational development, if you will, in the development of American law. There's a clear secular purpose. But, of course, we always want our kids to be reminded of, of basics of right and wrong in our Judeo-Christian culture that we have that uh, keeps America cohesive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, understanding it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to destroy people's property. Those are things that our kids need now more than ever because Absolutely. we've seen parts in our society where apparently that messaging hasn't been absorbed. So we're excited about this, and yeah. um, we'll, I'll be probably heading back again next, uh, next week to testify as well um, on legislation in the state assembly, not the state senate, state house, if you will. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, that sounds like a fascinating piece of litigation, the Ten Commandments Le uh, legislation. We, we need... Um, values 
And quite frankly, the Ten Commandments can serve as a set of values that's timeless. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And once again, it has a valid public policy purpose. People, kids, they need to understand what is our foundation. Why do we say certain things are right or, and wrong? Yeah. You know, part of it is because I believe you know, God puts in our minds you know, the laws of nature and nature is God. I think you know, everyone knows without excuse. Yeah. But specifically, I think it helps kids understand where we got where we are. I mean, and the reality is American law in terms of uh, it all comes from the Bible, whether it's right. bankruptcy law, tort law, wills and trusts, estate law, uh, personal injury, I mean, uh, property law. It all goes back to the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, the Ten Commandments, that's sort of looked upon as sort of the bedrock of of the laws in the Bible and, and, and the direction of the Bible. And, of course, in the New Testament, we have the, the greatest commandment, which is, uh, you know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Yeah. But uh, the Ten Commandments, I think, is, will be valuable. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And if there's uh, people out there who would like information about that legislation to maybe pass it on to their state senators, state representatives, I encourage you guys out there, feel free to contact us at PJI, PJI.org. We'd be happy to uh, provide you that information. And we're uh, planning on really helping to beef up uh, all of our offices in 23 states and beyond to have a much more of a, an active role in the, with the state legislatures. We already have an active role, but even a more active role yeah. uh, through our 501c4. So we're, we're, it's a whole other area of tremendous potential, fighting the bad stuff in the blue states, and taking full advantage in the red states with legislation that furthers religious freedom, parents' rights, and the sanctity of human life. Absolutely, and that's so necessary. We, we need more. <laughs> we need more common sense legislation and not just legislation that tears down the values that made this country great. So oftentimes, Michael, I hear people <clears throat> say, we need to be on the, the aggressive. We need to be on the offense. Well, yeah. that's what we're doing at PJI. That's right. We are mega on the offense, right. taking full advantage of where we are right now yeah. on so many different dimensions. Um, and uh, it's, it's exciting. One of those is dealing with uh, inputting and providing a resource for state legislation yeah, uh, across the country. The Seventh Circuit apparently has um, come down with a decision regarding the accommodation of teachers' religious beliefs as to transgender students. Uh, what, what, what happened here? Yeah, and this is near and dear to our hearts because we are handling cases just like this uh, where you have a teacher and they're being asked to uh, say things or admit things. Um, uh, in fact, I just had a case like it just very recently where um, this, a school district had told the, the, the teacher that you have to take this test and the test is true and false. So it makes her give answers that in her conscience she cannot agree. And uh, we wrote a letter and, and appeared with her at her um, uh, accommodate, uh, interactive process meeting where they sit down and talk accommodations. Uh, they took this accommodation that we sought and they granted it to her. So we were very thankful for that. The upstanding, this, uh, this was Harupa Unified. They actually stood up, took up to the plate and said, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna give you your accommodation. You don't have to get 100 percent on that test. 
if you disagree with it because of sincerely held religious beliefs. Yeah, because of sincerely held religious beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what happened there. And here, unfortunately, we, th this is in uh, the Seventh Circuit, uh, heard this case. And um, unfortunately, the school district um, had said it's beyond a de minimis burden. And that's right now in our history, that's an important phrase, right? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a traditional language interpretation of undue burden, undue hardship. They say, is it de minimis? Is it beyond just being de minimis burden? And the Seventh Circuit, based on that uh, interpretation of undue hardship, uh, ruled the way they did. I understand that uh, there's some com conflicting case law dealing with uh, this, this issue of, of forcing teachers and individuals to have to use pronouns that yes. violate their conscience. Yes. I mean, what teacher, honestly, should have to say, you have to affirm a lie. That's right. Uh, you have to affirm confusion in a child. Like, say, a six-year-old starting through puberty, I mean, six year, uh, sixth grader, seventh grader, and they say, gosh, I think I may be the opposite gender. I'm, I think maybe God made a mistake, and I, I'm the opposite gender. To tell a teacher, oh, you have to, to play along with that and, and encourage that confusion. It's just, it's inhumane. It violates conscience. Yep. And I think the Title VII respect is there to protect the rights of people with sincere religious, belief, uh, religious beliefs, even issues of conscience. That's right. So I, I, I think that the Seventh Circuit here was dead wrong. For, you know, forcing a teacher to sacrifice her beliefs and have to affirm a lie yeah. in order to keep their job. Uh, and uh, a lie that we know actually has, has a, a terrible, terrible outcome statistically. The yeah. kids more, children go down this and are affirm those lies are, are, have a very short lifespan, relatively speaking. Most of them are dead by the age of 30 because of depression and suicide because they went down that route and didn't get the kind of constructive counseling that has proven much, much more beneficial with much better outcomes. Absolutely. And, and interestingly... So right now, there is a case in front of the United States Supreme Court where, they, um, where the court is going to look at this interpretation of Title VII that says mm -hmm. religious liberty only gets a uh, uh, tiny protection if it's not a, a, any burden whatsoever to the employer, right. which so, is unacceptable. Right. So we're going to be watching, watching that and how that facilitates, but... Uh, I think that also the fact there is co conflicting case law on yep. on this issue about forcing teachers to say things or, or hide things from parents. Uh, I think in all the cases that we have ongoing, and hats off to you on your victory, I think that there's, there's conflict uh, enough that we're going to see the Supreme Court take this up sooner rather than later. That's my prediction. Yeah. I think we'll, within the next five years, if not sooner, probably sooner, uh, we're going to see this before the Supreme Court. And I think the Supreme Court even though they didn't rule very uh, favorably on Title VII, I wish they had, uh, had ruled regarding how they define sex to include gender identity, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I think that Title IX is different, and uh, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about something that's uh, going to be an interesting case moving forward, and also uh, Title VII as applied to uh, this situation where you're talking about affirming something with regard to in the classroom with children, I think, it's just, I think factually it's a different ball game, yeah. and I think we'll see a different decision. And part of the issue here is that the... So the, the left wants you to believe that if you disagree with these people, that somehow you hate them. 
That's not the case. The, these teachers, they're not, they don't want to discriminate against these child. They want to love them, take care of them, watch out for them. But they, they just cannot uh, say what is a lie. They cannot affirm as true something they believe to be a lie, and that's what they have to do. And the reality is, uh, it's because they love the kids. That's right. They don't want to affirm a lie. If a kid says, um, I think I'm, I'm a, a superhero and it's impossible for me to get burned. And when I come home tonight, I'm going to throw myself in the fire because yeah. I'm a superhero. That's right. The teacher, if the teacher says, oh, that's wonderful. Well, congratulations. Well, well tell me how it turns out tomorrow. That's if right. the teacher said that, that teacher would be condemned, would have not an ounce of love on her, her body yeah, exactly. or his body. But the loving teacher says, oh, no. No, you're you're not a superhero. You do burn. Yes. Don't do that. I please don't do that. I'm gonna let your parents know about it. I, you need to get counseling. Right. That's exactly. the loving, and it's the same thing with people uh, wanting to change their their gender, so to speak, which is biblically impossible. Medically, it's actually impossible. You can't yep. change the DNA. Right. <laughs> uh, you can't change the brain. Uh, so, I think the loving thing is for teachers t- to speak up and not affirm something that they know is a lie and something that's going to be statistically harmful to the child. At PJI, we exist to serve everyone in need of counsel, representation, and defense of their religious liberties, parental rights, and the sanctity of life. We don't take cases based on how high profile they are. We are workhorses, not show horses. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Welcome back. There's a ministerial exception doctrine that in the past has protected the ability for churches to be able to hire and fire clergy. Yeah. The government doesn't want to get involved in that, right? Well, this is a, a, an issue dealing apparently uh, with an employee who was alleging that uh, there was a hostile work environment. So she, they filed a hostile work environment claim uh, against a church. Uh, what, what happened in this case? I guess it's Montgomery versus St. John, John's United Church of Christ. It's an Ohio state appellate court decision yeah so um so people understand this ministerial exception it allows ministers really complete freedom to determine who its ministers are which the church has to have that the state can't be involved at all um and so here that's exactly what happened these people um claimed that it was the plaintiff claimed that this was a hostile work environment so the question was does the ministerial exception even apply with a hostile work environment claim? And the court ruled on that issue and happily ruled the way it is. So uh, they said they're not, they're not going to get involved in right. claims of hostile work environment. And why is that? Is it because they had a hard time distinguishing between non-religious uh, work versus religious work and religious function? Yeah, it just It's just too intertwined mm-hmm. as to what's harassment versus what is a statement of religious doctrine and religious practice? Yes, uh, and that's, that's exactly right. So here, um, the, what the main purpose of the ministerial exception has been that churches get to believe what they want to believe. 
And that's not saying that, oh, if somebody murdered someone, that's not involved here at all. What was happening is this was policy of the church, and the court ruled that there's too, that the court would have to do too much diving into the beliefs of this church in order to make a decision. And that is intolerable in our country with the First Amendment. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right, and I'm, I'm glad that they ruled the way they did. Uh, as far as case law goes, you know, this is an Ohio State Appellate Court, but, you know, is this something you think that, you know, might have an impact moving? It's not binding against other states. It's not binding against federal district courts or circuit courts. Right. But is this a, a precedent that you can see being played out in other courts as well moving yeah. forward? I suspect that this case, this will be appealed because uh, up until to the state maybe, Supreme Court to, to their state Supreme Court, and then even that, if, if it fails to succeed there to federal court, because the minister, I guess they go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Because go the ministerial exception is a federally created law, and the U.S. Supreme Court has said that this doctrine is valid, and in fact, very, very recently has interpreted it as a, a, a functioning, vital part of our religious liberty network of cases. So it's, it's in the state appellate courts came down with a decision uh, favorably in a good way for churches. And, yeah. yet, and so it could then be appealed to the state Supreme Court, and then it could then be appealed straight from the state Supreme Court, goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's right. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And there's good, solid federal law on this topic. There's several great cases, especially with our recent uh, Supreme Court. There's just several great cases where... Churches get the right to hire and fire their ministers. Yeah. It makes total sense. It, it has total, to be that way. It makes total sense. That's right. Total yeah. sense. Who wants the government coming in telling uh, pastors, a head church, of a, uh, you know, that, no, you, you can't talk about your doctrine about this or that with your other junior pastors, clergy person, because uh, they may be offended or may be hostile. No, it, it's doctrine's doctrine. That's right. I mean, we're not communist China where the state, you know, owns the churches, basically controls what they say. Yeah. You know, and, and um, so uh, hats off to, to that court, and we'll uh, see what happens. I'm optimistic, Michael, on this one. I think it's, I am too. Yeah. The Biden administration, you know, this is, this is shocking, this is going to be barring schools from outright banning boys going in, into girls' sports. He's going to use the executive power to do that, uh, allegedly, I guess, under Title IX. Uh, first of all, what, what's, what's he doing? Why, wh wh how, how, how impacting is this, these efforts uh, by the Biden administration to impact girls' sports? Are we looking at impacting like girls' sports in just Washington, D.C., or are we looking at impacting girls' sports all throughout America yeah. In all 50 states. Unfortunately, it's all throughout America, Brad. And, and the issue here is that many schools, school districts and states have said, no, we're not going to countenance this anymore. We are not going to allow this. It's not fair. It's not safe. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, these girls participating in their own sporting activity, which is what Title IX requires... Now, all of a sudden, you have a boy competing in that. I don't care how much, quote-unquote, transition they've gone through. They are still 100% male. Their DNA is male. They were bathed in testosterone 
giving male characteristics. Muscle. Muscle, muscle mass. Yes. Muscle strength. Skeletal structure. Uh, usually uh, height. Yeah. Advantage. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's right. Yeah. It's silly to it, think it, that you can change that. And, and so. Even a brain that functions that's, differently. That's right. Which yeah. it can impact. Uh, maybe some sports, depending on the, the the skills or what's what's being utilized. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert on that, but yeah. but the point is, that we're looking at a major disincentive for females to have any kind of long term active uh, game plan for sports and athletics. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if Biden gets his way, the females in America are going to be treated like dirt when it comes sure. to athletics. There's going to be males. Increasing, I think it's it, that's the trend line we're seeing is more and more males are going into girls' sports and basically canceling females having any chance of getting scholarships, awards, etc. Right? That's exactly right. And interestingly, here they're, they're using Title IX for the authority to do this, but Title IX, <laughs> it, its very purpose was to make sure that females have equal opportunities on the, in athletics and playing fields, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're going to say that's equal treatment? Uh, boy, I'll tell you, we really need the Supreme Court to step up to the plate here and reestablish what Title IX is for. Title IX was to give women equal opportunities to get scholarships, to, to function in athletics. It's, and it's, this, this, is not, it, this is destroying that. So here comes the Biden administration. Again, another incident where we see what a mistake it was for anyone who voted for Biden. He, he's, he, either he's not doing anything or, and all the people around him are doing this stuff or he's cooperating. Either way, it's really bad for America. Yeah, any any dad out there that has a daughter involved in sports, yeah, should be really ticked off. Yeah, absolutely. Really ticked off. You know, I mean, I because it, it has a real impact, financial impact on the girls and their their educational opportunities. Yes, it's, it gives an advantage to males with regard to educational opportunities because they're more likely going to get the scholarships, not just on for male athletics, but they're going to get the scholarships for the female athletic competition because there's. There's such a growing number of males saying, I, I've gender identity dysphoria. And th you know what? They may have it. I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. But I've, I've talked to people like Joe Dallas who to uh, counsel these people yes. uh, with these issues. And he's, he's, he said, look, uh, most of the time when we're talking about youth, uh, it's more of like a, a feeling, a fad yeah. kind of an issue. It's not so much a, an issue of of them having resolute dysphoria. Right. So at young ages, you've got them sort of, you know, they're still experimenting with their identity issues, uh, you know, manhood, womanhood issues, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of peer pressure. He said a lot of this is our kids partly driven by wanting to, uh, to be recognized, to stand out, uh, to, to be with a group that would affirm them, that would be, befriend them unconditionally, yes, which is what we see with the LGBTQ doing yeah. to recruit more people into their, their cult, if you will, yeah. um, in public schools. So this is terrible what Biden is doing. Uh, it's unjust. It's encouraging uh, a bad track record for confused children as well as a huge injustice for those who've worked hard all their lives in sports and athletic competition for females only to get it 
pulled from under, out from under him by a President Biden who wants to allow males to suddenly compete against them, and there's an indisputable biological advantage here. Absolutely. It is absolutely insane. Insane. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think it's spiritual, too. I think there's I demonic activity taking place in this administration in multiple ways, yeah. and I think this is just another example of the demonic activity uh, causing, us, uh, causing people to, to support things that make no sense, calling good evil, evil good, uh, having no logic or reason yeah. to support what they're doing. It makes absolutely no sense. See, this, really this, this, this demonic uh, anti-God policies like this. Anyway, we're, we're here to, to serve, and don't hesitate to contact us. If you'd like to keep up with our cases also, I encourage you to go to our website, pji.org, pji.org. We've got great resources. You can get our, our newsletter, regular updates. I strongly encourage you to do that. And also on October 28th, we're having our big celebration of justice with uh, Kaylee uh, McEnany uh, from Fox News. It's going to be a fantastic event. Just go to our website to get tickets, pji.org. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.